Hey, it's Caitlin. Hey, it's Abigail. Welcome Welcome to to The Gutsy Gutsy Truth. We're here to break down barriers of what's considered normal in health, wellness, relationships, and work. We're so excited that you're here with us. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. We are so thrilled to introduce you to this week's guest, Sheila Vuchkovich. She is the nutritionist nutritionist that I have been working with um, for uh, the last couple of years with my health journey. And she's been such a wealth of knowledge um, that I've learned so much from. And obviously we've talked about Abigail and I are not experts when it comes to health and nutrition. And so we wanted to bring an expert on the show so you can learn from her. So welcome to the Gutsy Truth, Sheila. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and to be called an expert. <laughs> yes. I appreciate that. Well, you definitely are. So let's just dive in. And um, can you tell our listeners about who you are and kind of what led you to become a nutritionist and to do what you do today? Yeah, sure. So um, I went to A&M and I studied kinesiology, became a personal trainer. My passion was always fitness. So I worked at BP for like seven years in their fitness center. But always people were asking me, what do I eat so that I can achieve my fitness goals? So I realized that I needed to know more about nutrition in order to really help people. Even in, you know, this was corporate fitness. We were trying to improve um, overall health and performance as an employee there and their quality of life and to bring top talent into BP. So I decided after my second baby to go back to grad school and get a master's in nutrition and health education And I thought I was going to maybe transition to teaching community college. Um, I thought that would be a great job to have when I had two little kids and I could kind of be flexible or whatever. But while I was in grad school, my oldest son, who was four at the time, got diagnosed with autism. They called it pervasive developmental disorder back then. But um, I didn't know anything about it. And it was just one of those things that kind of rocked my world. And so through that, I became interested in functional, we didn't call it functional medicine back then, but parents were the biggest advocates of their children. Mm -hmm. And they were the ones doing all the research of like, the medical community is saying, there's nothing I can do to help my kid on the spectrum, just kind of live with it. And all the parents were like, that's not acceptable. And so through different parents, they were like, hey, I heard a gluten-free diet really helped this kid's behavior. I think I might try that. And so that kind of led me into a journey of really dialing in on nutrition and how important it was and how I could help my kid, which as a mom, you guys, that's like the biggest motivator ever there is, you know, to try to figure things out. So that's really kind of what got me into the space that I am now is the kind of the cards that were dealt to us just changed my path. Cause otherwise I was just going to go and teach like nutrition and kinesiology at maybe the, you know, the community college level. That was kind of what my goal was starting it and completely changed. Wow. So I guess explain to us, like, what, what was it that you learned in your um, undergrad and master's program compared to like what you actually teach and do now? Was, Was there a big difference in how nutrition was talked about? So at the undergrad level, we did take some nutrition classes for kinesiology, but it was like one. And it was the food guide pyramid, you know, grains, whatever, traditional, this is what everybody teaches type stuff. And like I said, it was one semester class. So I didn't really learn anything until when I did my personal training certification, they did more on nutrition for weight loss 
Um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of when keto was becoming a thing and the Atkins diet had come out. So we were learning more about carbs, but it was all around weight loss. So it wasn't really what the quality of food was. It was the quantity and how can I navigate my diet to lose weight? So I would even say in grad school that the focus was on more of like the food guide pyramid, but it was a lot more, I did like a education type master. So it was more of like behavior change as opposed to learning a lot about dialed in nutrition. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of a lot of psychology. um, And then what are like the screening markers you should use to make sure someone is have breast cancer, heart disease. It wasn't again, like dialed in and how nutrition specifically, the quality could help people. It was more, how can you help them change their behavior and why is that important? So it really wasn't until my own kid got diagnosed that I would say I learned anything, <laughs> to wow, be honest. Wow. Like, I didn't know gluten was had any kind of impact on behavior or the brain. I didn't know the gut had an impact on behavior. And that is all the stuff the autism community really preached. And I feel like that is really what started a lot of the revolution was that they realized these kids had horrible guts. And because of that, that's why their brain was like, they couldn't speak or they were banging their head against the wall. They all had these things coming from the gut that had to be changed internally through diet and, and other modalities. Like, you know, um, we, there was a lot of B12 kind of, um, played into where he got shots and it was heavy metal toxicity. And so just other things that, I mean, I really learned, I went to autism conferences. um, I started reading papers about autism and its effect on the gut as a parent. That's where I learned everything. And then of course, working with Dr. Ginsburg, we've gone to numerous conferences over the years. um, And that all of those were like functional medicine based where it was more dialed in. So, you know, I got my credentials in college and that was all great, but I didn't really learn what I could use to help patients as much until I had the life experience and then went to kind of conferences on my own. Yeah. Wow. So I guess explain to our listeners, what is like, how do you define nutrition now? And you know, what is that approach with food that you work with, with your clients? So every cell in the body every single cell is powered by the nutrients that you eat. So if you are eating junk food, you are powering your cells with junk and you will get junk cells. (laughs) I never, you know, you take that for granted as a teenager and as a young adult, because you can eat whatever you want and it doesn't matter per se, or so you think it doesn't. Now Mm -hmm. we're seeing younger and younger people coming in, teenagers passing out because their periods are so terrible or whatever. And we're realizing how that's tied to nutrition. But I would say I've realized now, so one of the big things for me was that I didn't, when they said try a gluten and dairy-free diet when he was four, I didn't really believe that that would make a significant impact. And within a week, he was a completely different kid as far as like how aware he was, how engaged he was, how he could sit. And like, he was getting kind of kicked out of classrooms for wandering the halls or just like not being able to sit in one spot. And then within a week of changing his diet in that way, he was different and the teachers were commenting and things like that. So, I mean, I've seen it firsthand. And then now it's just every day when I work with people like you and, you know, I see like, okay, change diet, we get completely different quality of life. Mm -hmm. Um, I see that over and over again. So now for me, it's, you know, it's 
not even a question. Yeah. 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 I think the thing that I learned, like, I feel like society is about, it's focusing on calories and how much you weigh. Right. And what I learned from Mm -hmm. you guys is like, it's, it's about real whole foods. It's not about, it doesn't have to be some fancy diet, quote unquote, that you have to follow. Um, it's just what, what you can like thinking of food as ways to fuel your body and just feel better. And that your body is designed to heal. And with food, you can, you can transform how you feel. And so I remember like that first um, appointment with Dr. Ginsburg and she's like, okay, I'm going to recommend gluten-free and dairy-free. And I remember going to my husband, he's like, how is this going to (laughs) work? Cause you just have it in your head that like, what do you mean? Like, what does that even mean? Gluten-free, dairy-free. Um, and it was definitely a a, a huge learning curve to kind of understand, um, like what I could eat. And at first I was like, okay, I'm just going to go buy the gluten-free crackers and the gluten-free waffles and all that kind of stuff. And then slowly it was like, no, like I don't need that. I need, I need my vegetables and my protein and my fats and like good, healthy, real food that you can just pick up in the produce section and not like the, you know, processed, um, things. Cause there's, tons of products out there that are technically gluten-free or dairy-free, but th- that doesn't right. mean they're, they're, they're good for food. you. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> yeah, they're going to fuel yeah. you. Um, so it was, it was definitely a huge, um, transition to like learn all that. And then I think the craziest thing too, is I felt like I went from like, okay, sure. I'd like go eat a hamburger and French fries or whatever. And then like, I feel like I would have to guilt myself into like, oh, I have to work out the next day. Cause I was like, I just ate like that. Right. As opposed to now where like the way, like how I feel is so much more consistent because I'm not having these like high and lows of like food comas or just feeling bloated or anything like that. Um, and I don't feel restricted of what I can and cannot eat. Like I've, I feel like I consume more calories now than I did before, but they're healthy calories. So it's like, I can have more. And so I feel like sometimes when Abigail and I are having lunch, it's like, we're taking up the entire table because it's like... (laughs) here's here's like our big salad and here's like our pistachios and here's our bowl of fruit and it's just like all of this food and um yeah yeah, it's just yeah it's it's really nice to be on the other side and change that perspective yeah for sure it's it's interesting because we've been having people wear continuous glucose monitors like Mm -hmm. what you did for a bit and I had one lady tell me last week that she whenever she drives her um I think her dad or somebody to Austin, they would stop and get Whataburger as like a treat. So she had her glucose monitor on and she's like, it was just meat and cheese in the bun. And her glucose went up to over 200. And she was like, oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and she was kind of sad knowing, okay, this is the impact. Because I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, normal glucose post meal should be really below 140. Mm-hmm. And anything above 190, like you're in a glucose coma attack. Um, that was really, really high, really hard on the cells. And then it crashed because the body was like, what the heck? This is way too much sugar in the system. And it crashed after that. And I think people think their blood sugar goes up when they eat candy or they have a dessert, but it's that mm-hmm. processed bun um, that really did that to her. And I was like, and I don't know, someone else told me when they went and ate Chinese food and it was just like vegetables and meat and rice that it went sky high, but I'm like, it's also the sauce. Like they're Mm -hmm, putting all these chemicals and stuff in there and the body is reacting in a stressful way going, I don't know what you think you're doing, but that's not a good idea. Right. Yeah. 
I think so many people don't even realize they're on those sugar highs and lows, like with their insulin. I know because I went gluten-free, dairy-free about the same time Caitlin did. Um, I've got some thyroid imbalances and adrenal fatigue and I, and I realized gluten specifically for me, but then dairy as well were like huge inflammatory markers. And yeah, after about like a month of really not eating that, I would like, I would crash hard and I've been that way my whole life. Like if I like didn't eat or anything, like I'd get the shakes and like weak, like mm-hmm. almost feeling like I was going to pass out. And now like, I've never, I haven't had that feeling in months, months and months and months, like over a year now. And so it's crazy. Like you don't even realize it cause you've just normalized it. And like, and so, yeah, we've talked to friends and family and we're like, yeah, it's all about your blood sugars. Like, well, I don't eat many candies or I don't eat much dessert. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, let me tell yeah. you, like when you stabilize this, everything about you feels better. Um, so yeah, it's just like, if we could just like spread that knowledge more and, you know, just tell people how much better they can feel and what the, the positive effects that is for your body in like a million ways of having stabilized blood sugars. Um, yeah, oh, it, people 100%. don't even realize it especially my depression, anxiety people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge one when they're, they're on this blood sugar roller coaster and they don't realize their anxiety is being caused by these blood sugar crashes because the blood sugar was so high and then it crashed. They were getting major anxiety. And I mean, I was there too. And that was even when, you know, this is post grad school before I had really figured out what was the right diet for me. I remember we went hiking in Georgia And we were gone for like an hour and I had eaten breakfast, but it was probably like oatmeal or cereal or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then we're finishing up our, maybe the hike was like two hours. We're finishing that up. And I was like, I think I'm going to pass out. And my husband had to go up to a family that was having a picnic at the base of the mountain and be like, can my wife have some of your chips? (laughs) Because she doesn't feel good. And we don't know if we can get her to the car. And so we're like, okay, you know, like here's some of our food to share with you, but that's kind of where I was. Like I couldn't go more than a few hours Yeah, without eating. Yeah. I had to always be connected to my food source. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> so obviously there's a standard American diet that exists today, right? So talk to us about what people can do to transition to trying to eat healthier because it's, it's obviously easier to go stop at Whataburger or fast food or, you know, pick up what's convenient. But so why is it important to, you know, try to focus on whole foods and what, what can people do to transition towards that lifestyle? Well, I think one of the biggest things I see is that you have to find your why. Mm. And I don't feel like many people have had their big motivating factor yet that has really pushed them in that direction because it's really easy to just stop and get these convenience foods that are always around. It's not like we're living in a food shortage time yet. Now we may be getting there in a couple of months, honestly, like, um, but as of right now, you could stop anywhere and, you know, there's food plentiful, whatever, but I don't like, I've been a lot of people that I work with for weight loss. They are not that motivated. Honestly, weight loss to me is not a big motivating enough factor because there's so many other things that go into that. Like the body weight fluctuates back and forth, especially for women, depending on where you are in your cycle Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so I find the most success with people that really have a big why. So it has something to do with their kids or it has something to do with a woman that wants to get pregnant, her fertility Mm -hmm. or a big life changing, like I, my stomach hurts all the time and I can't function. I'm sick of this. Like Mm -hmm. that's, 
most of the people that I see that are really successful, they came in kind of scared out of their mind about something. Yeah. And so they're just like, whatever I'm doing right now isn't working for me. So, you know, I love, I would love to convince people like you need to eat healthier because it's going to help you in the long run. But most <laughs> people just, they're not there, you yeah. know, like yeah. pay now or pay later with your health care. Like, you know, especially if you're in your twenties, you're not thinking in that vein Mm-mm. yet. But if you come into some kind of health condition, you know, your, your thyroid is crazy and you just can't get it regulated or you're trying to get pregnant or whatever, then I feel like then people are really ready to listen to you can do this because it isn't easy. You do have to meal prep. You have to cook. And we have just gotten away from that. We, I mean, and you guys are younger than me, grew up where you didn't necessarily have to cook. You could get everything frozen or pre-prepared or just go stop somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom's generation, she grew up on a farm. She, her family had to prepare everything. I mean, half of your day was spent cooking. So people are just, whenever I mention, you know, you really do need to cook your own food. Um, people get very overwhelmed because they're mm-hmm. like, I just do not have time with all the other things squeezed in my day to do that. Now it is easy. Like you were saying, you can make a salad you can have your fruit. Like those are not things that require cooking, but it's still that forethought of going to the grocery store and being prepared. Right. So I do feel that that's the biggest hindrance and that's the biggest step to success is really thinking about what am I going to eat for the next few days? Do I have that food on hand? And do I know what I'm going to do with it? It doesn't have to be fancy. It may only like last night I made tacos that literally took 10 minutes. Like, yeah. but I had to thaw out the beef beforehand. But I, I threw some greens in there and some onion and like, you know, had some vegetables, a full course meal in like 10 minutes. But I had to think about, do I have those ingredients on hand? Because it would have been easy to just be like, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to stop here and get something. And I think that's where a lot of people end up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah, I think that why is so important. Um, I think obviously for me with wanting to become a mom, like that was like I that was the most powerful motivation, you know, for me to do that. And yeah, it definitely took some work and time. But I think the like working through the 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 learning curve of like what it means to feel uh, food prep and you know what ingredients I want to have on hand and all that kind of stuff. I think the other thing I learned was like I kind of created a lot of just pride and like, look, at I accomplished this and like, I, I made this and it like, so it's not only like you feel good because you accomplished this or you ate at home for a whole week straight or whatever, but you just like, you kind of build your own confidence in cooking too. Um, cause I like always cooked and helped, especially growing up with my parents, but I was never like a very confident, um, cook by any means. And I think, I feel like I also thought that people like needed to have this fancy recipe every night to, to eat clean. And it's really like, let's saute or bake some chicken and have some veggies. And like, that's, that's totally fine. Right. Right. Um, so it doesn't yeah. need to be overcomplicated by any means, but yeah, it definitely takes some work, but, um, it's, it's possible. And I think, you know, for me, like I could continue living in that season of like constant fatigue and rain fog and bloating and feeling like I was punishing myself and having to work out for like how I was feeling and how my clothes are fitting as opposed to now where I'm just like, I feel great all the time. And, you know, like obviously it's not perfect, but I feel so much better than I did before. Yeah. But you decided to like, it, it is, I don't like to make people think that, that you're, you're going to have to give up something. So your lifestyle mm-hmm. is going to change mm-hmm. when you make this decision. Like, you know, my house is really not that clean. 
Mm. I just don't care. Like I spend most of my time cooking and then exercising and then kids activities or whatever. So there's things that give, like, I don't do a lot of home improvement on my house. I need to make more of a priority, but like these things are my priority right now. So I do think that there's people place, you know, well, I would do that, but I have to go work in the yard today, which is fine, you know, but it's finding that priority of what is going to take precedence today. And you are going to have to change some shifting of what you feel is important. So, you know, I think the American dream has been, I can do it all. I can do everything, but there is going to be something that's going to get pushed to the side if you're going to take on this healthy lifestyle journey and you have to be okay with that and pick, you know, Mm -hmm. Pick your priorities. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there is it is a an, a shift of pr- um, priorities and focus, and um, yeah, I think it takes a little bit t- time to kind of figure out what's going to work for you, and and also different seasons of your life that's going to look different, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and I think it's also part of just that hustle culture the, that society has um, picked up on over the past I don't know decade ish now or more, and it's. Yeah, people. I mean, I had that same process, that thought process. I was like, oh my, and I cooked already at home, but now it's like, oh my goodness, now I have to like really think about this. And me specifically, like, I live like 30 minutes outside of town, like kind of in the country. So there's like no HEB right around the corner for me. Like, I have to plan it when I'm in town, pick up groceries and stuff. And yeah, so there's times it's like, you know, at bare minimum, I always have like some frozen chicken breasts in my freezer. So it's like, if I don't have anything, I can do that. Maybe like a bag of broccoli and then some fruit. And that's like better than, you know, a pizza or whatever, like a pizza to go or right. something. But the hustle culture, I mean, I, I, yeah, you definitely have to make that a priority. And there's things I've, I've kind of given up, but in a, in a positive way for me, you know, like, okay, no, I'm not going to go out all, you know, go out and hang out with those friends or whatever tonight. Cause I'd rather go home and spend time with my family and have a nice meal and get, get some good sleep and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's, I mean, my, my stuff, my priorities changed too. Cause like I had that moment a few months ago, I was like, I just don't care about what my house looks like right now. And that was hard <laughs> for me because I loved my house yeah. just so. And so finally I was like, okay, husband, I let's just hire someone <laughs> to come in like every other week or something because I can't live like this either. But I know I don't have the time or the mental capacity to handle it. Yeah. So you just kind of find ways to work around it. You either kind of live with it or you, you know, find someone to help you out or whatever. Um, yeah, that hustle culture, I think adds so much to that when it's like, oh my gosh, I have to cook every night. And it's like, well, you don't (laughs) like if you meal prep or double your recipe, it doesn't have to be every night. It could be every two nights or something. Um, so I think just breaking that mindset is a big key. Yes. A hundred percent, especially in the stage of life that I'm, I have two teenagers that are heavily involved in sports and then I have one that's in elementary school still. And it is like, sometimes we're eating at eight o'clock at night, which is not ideal, but like, that's just where we are, but yeah. we're still eating. We're not in the car getting McDonald's, you know, going right. back and forth and stuff. And so it's just kind of figuring out how to make that work. And it does, I mean, it's not easy. And there are some nights, my thought process is like, if there's one night a week where we have to go out and get something, well, that's not a big deal because the, the other six nights we were fine. So it's, you know, just making where it's a priority. Sometimes if it doesn't give, it doesn't give Oh well, you know, yeah. we can live with that. Exactly. And then if you do have, you know, like you said, if you do go out to eat one night, just make a better choice about where you're going. You know, maybe don't drive through McDonald's, but go somewhere where you know you can get some good, you know, good protein and veggies or a nice salad with protein and that kind of stuff too. Um, Or just picking the better options at those places. I mean, sometimes you just have to get creative, but (laughs) so they're not sometimes the greatest, but it is what it is. It's better than what it could be. Yeah. 
and especially nowadays, we have a list that I, because I have this program called the Real Food Rebuild on the website, on our website, and on it, I include like a restaurant guide, and it lists actual restaurants in the Houston area, which mm. a lot of them are available other places, and what you could order, because a lot of these places now, online, they provide all the ingredients, like mm. Chipotle, for example, tells you everything that's in their food, so you can go and like make a good choice, even if you're on some of these really restricted diets, you could eat out and still make good choices. Now, you don't know what oils they're using and all of that, but sure you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, it can be done for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with your background in kinesiology and being a personal trainer, um, this is something I have, like, I could probably ask you like a bajillion questions on this, so I'll keep it short, but what's the importance as far as your nutrition when it comes to your exercise, um, and your movement? So if you have certain goals you're trying to attain, you know, like fitness wise, not just calories and macros, but what like the deeper dive into why nutrition is so important to help you reach those fitness goals. I was a student athlete at AM and mm-hmm. like knowing everything I know now, I want to go in and like completely rechange athletic programs in colleges, especially for women. Um, because it could make, Oh, like light years of a difference. And it just like, this is a, a hot topic I would love to pursue one day. <laughs> what sport did you play? So I was on the equestrian team. Um, so I rode horses. Um, so yeah, like as far as like athletics goes, it's not like the most you as a person are as physically intense compared to if you play, you know, soccer or softball or swimming or diving or something. But yeah, I mean, I still had, so I'd pra- like horseback practice and then I had gym time, but it was like, they didn't know what to do with 60 girls on the equestrian team with all various forms of athletic ability. So like, just go run. And we're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. I, so I'll tell you that the division one athletes that I see, it's mostly women. You know, I see a lot of like women that played basketball in college, especially mm-hmm. some that were on track, they always have bad guts. Yeah. And, and I don't know, I think it's the overtraining more than anything. Mm-hmm. They've been at this high, high level their whole life. And then they're training, you know, four to six hours a day, which is really just too much. But I mean, honestly, at the collegiate level, those athletes are going to be able to perform no matter what, because they're young Mm -hmm. and their body knows already muscle memory and all that, what to do. So diet is going to make a difference as far as like how well they're sleeping in between and what their recovery is like, but their performance on the field is probably not going to be changed too much. And I mean, this is probably not what you want to hear, but by, by diet at that time. Gotcha. Now, (laughs) long-term because exercise creates free radicals and those are damaging for the cells. So anytime you take an oxygen and utilize it, which you have to do to live, Mm-hmm. you you do cause some chemical processes in the body that take its toll on your cells. And we call that oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. You should have a lot of antioxidants inside the cell to counterbalance that. So whenever that is created, the antioxidants take care of it. Antioxidants come from your diet mostly and from sleep. Melatonin is a very potent antioxidant, but mm-hmm. the more deep colored veggies that you eat, the more variety Things like green tea, lots of herbs and spices, ginger, garlic, all that kind of stuff. Those are really antioxidant rich. The better your antioxidant status, the better your recovery is going to be and the less damage your training is going to do. Mm-hmm. When you're young, you won't notice. When you're old, you know that's when you see a lot of people coming out when they're done with their sport. And then all of a sudden, because that adrenaline's down, their purpose has changed, whatever, they have a lot of like acid reflux or IBS or brain issues depression, anxiety, um, 
fertility issues, all of that, I think, resulting from what they were eating while they were in that high level training. So the problem is, is that them changing their diet a lot of times doesn't make a huge impact on how well they perform in their Mm -hmm. sport or even in their exercise, but it will make a difference down the road. Um, For the weekend warrior, I mean, honestly, too, like, I don't see a huge difference. The body is pretty resilient. So people that train well, they can generally, you know, they'll see some gains in their strength training and stuff like that simply by the act of doing the right type of exercises consistently. Mm-hmm. It's really the the nutrition is going to help them recover so that again, long-term um, they can keep up with that level of exercise and they don't feel like they're getting injured all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, they can't, you know, I see the worst I see for like the weekend warrior would be my triathletes who do really long distances or my marathon runners. Mm-hmm. A lot of them end up where they can't sleep well. Um, and they're just chronically like in a fight or flight mode. Yeah. And a lot of that could be fixed by diet, but also the training volume is just too high. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I, you know, like there's so, like you're saying, sometimes it's too much training and I've learned that um, post-college, like just in the past couple of years, you know, I was like really into CrossFit and doing a bunch of other stuff. Cause I loved, I loved the competitiveness of all of that. Like I liked kind of the mental challenge of a lot of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it was wrecking my adrenals, <laughs> like wrecking my body. And so I like burned out, crashed it hard one day, um, a few, like about a year ago. And so then it's like, okay, so now I'm going to do some yoga and walking. And now I'm just like starting to recently incorporate like just strength training. But for me, I found it's all about where my heart rate is too. Um, and so as long as I don't let it go or a certain number, you know, for a long period of time, then I don't feel so drained because I haven't put that extra stress on my body. But yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I think it's fascinating. I would love to just take a deeper dive one day into college athletics. (laughs) When you guys talk to Dr. Ginsburg, that would be an area I would deep dive in <clears throat> with her because she had that experience. She did Ironman twice mm-hmm. and then completely crashed and had to go back to training with below a certain heart rate threshold for yeah. over a year to really get her body back. I mean, that's she experienced that firsthand. I've never been I coach CrossFit, but I'm <laughs> I was never an athlete. I danced in high school, mm-hmm. so I don't have like that. I have to be 100 percent attitude. Yeah. I can just take a step back and scale things and it doesn't bother me. Yeah. So that I can like kind of, I've been able to sustain it long-term because sure. I don't, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a curse and a blessing all at the same time. That mentality. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to do this. And they're like, ah, this is so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I guess if if people have found their why, or if they're maybe don't have a, a really strong reason to start changing up their, their, their nutrition, what are, what are some small little steps they can start taking today to, um, move towards being healthier? So I would say number one, start cooking more of your meals at home, whatever that looks like for you, just getting into the habit of, um, buying, you know, going to the grocery store, teaching your kids how to grocery shop and um, how to cook is a good first step of just decreasing the amount of meals that are eaten away because you're always going to be healthier. You're going to choose less portions, you know, but you're going to make more real food meals when you're cooking. So that's always the thing that I try to get people into, you know, if now you're only cooking three meals a week, you increase that to four and kind of slowly. The other really big thing is not nutrition related, but movement 
where everybody needs to be outside walking every single day for mm -hmm. at least 10 to 15 minutes. I mean, we've seen your hormones get better just by standing in the sun. Movement really changes your gut. Your gut microbiome responds to movement, sometimes in a bad way if the movement is too much, but definitely with, with walking. And I mean, we, we were meant to move. Um, so that's my two big things, cook at home and then really just start moving whatever that looks like for you. But just going for a walk, even a short one daily outside in the fresh air is what I would recommend. Yeah, that's so important because I feel like we're so glued to our laptops and being inside just with, you know, standard office environments and everything like that. So it's, it's so easy just to like stay inside all the time, especially in Texas. Mm -hmm. It's so hot. <laughs> and yeah. so you're not necessarily motivated to get outside as much, but yeah, that is so, so important. So can you talk to us a little bit more too about the gut in general? Like, I think one of my big takeaways was like how important it was to have the diversity of food. So you're not eating just like broccoli and carrots every single day, but like, why is the gut important? So we, you know, this is kind of a newer area of research where even, you know, I've been doing this for like 15 years and I would say the emphasis on the gut has really increased over the last 10, which is not that long. Mm -hmm. um, we originally thought, you know, you bugs were bad, they caused viruses, whatever. And then we realized, oh my gosh, we're how we're home to trillions of bugs all over our body, but especially in the gut. And basically your cells can't do all the things needed to keep you alive, which is kind of crazy. They require some of the things the bugs do. So in order to make neurotransmitters like serotonin, which keeps you happy or dopamine, which keeps you focused or GABA, which keeps you calm, your gut bugs contribute to the making of neurotransmitters. So that's one really, really important thing. In order to offload toxins, that happens, especially estrogen. For women, they, um, you know, you're you're getting estrogen surges at certain times of the month if you're still having periods. And once the estrogen has done its thing, it's told the cell, okay, you know, try to make a baby, whatever. It needs to be offloaded, otherwise. Estrogen can become toxic, which is what we see with estrogen-dependent breast cancers and things like that. So the gut has a huge network through these bugs of helping to offload that estrogen once it's been used. It also, those bugs help you digest your food. Without those bugs, you can't break down your food completely. And so even if you're eating the most perfect diet, you're not digesting it, breaking it down, so the cells can't really use it. So that's only just a few ways, but each bug in your gut's going to have a different job. So you don't want to just have a ton of this one good bug and none of this other one, because then the job that that other bug that's not there was supposed to be doing doesn't get done. So you want as many different types of good bugs in your gut as possible. And those bugs are influenced by your diet. They're influenced by some other things like stress will kill them off and too much training will kill them off and um, antibiotics and even like birth control. We just did a video about that. Birth control can alter the microbiome. Other medications can. But your diet and the fibers that you eat are what really keep those bugs around because that's the fiber is indigestible to you, but it's what they thrive on. So any food that is fiber rich, they are going to take, but the different bugs prefer different types of fiber. So you need to be eating as diverse as possible. And, and some of the studies have shown that people that make it to their 90s, they have a more diverse microbiome than people that are sick that are in their 20s. 
So we know that that has a huge impact on healthy aging. And I, for one, don't want to be in a diaper or a wheelchair when I'm older. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I want to do everything I can to be a healthy, great grandma. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that has the, the gut microbiome has a huge impact. And I think that's where we went wrong with all of this um, GMO food and pesticide heavy. We realized that like Roundup glyphosate, we thought that didn't damage humans because it kills bugs. But we weren't thinking about the fact that we have bugs in our body that are supposed to be there. So mm-hmm. that pesticide has a huge impact on the gut microbiome. And it's probably one of the main things that has caused sickness over the last 50 years. That increase of us using Roundup on all the crops, we thought it wasn't going to do any damage and it has done a huge amount of damage. Oh my goodness. So I kind of, I mean, that makes the importance of or some organic foods um, really good because they don't have that sprayed on it, right? Right. Yeah. And there's some like budget wise, you know, the environmental working group has the dirty dozen mm-hmm. where it has the 12 most affected crops from pesticide residue. And those are usually your thin skin ones, peaches, strawberries, you know, things like bananas and avocado are usually not as affected because they've got the thicker skin that you don't eat. Right. Um, but it's still, you know, yeah, you want to buy as organic as possible to avoid that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Makes you kind of like not want to eat anything to some degree, (laughs) (laughs) but that would be bad too. Don't not eat. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And don't be afraid of your food. That's the other thing is that I don't like to promote food fear um, because the body is really resilient and and things are not always going to go perfect. So if you get somewhere and you're stuck and you just, you know, sometimes you just have to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to lessen those situations, but don't, you know, I don't like people to get into situations where like, well, I was somewhere and I just freaked out and, you know, I didn't have anything to eat. And so I was all stressed about it. And I'm like, that's not what we're promoting either. Right. Um, you know, you, you got to kind of go with the flow a little bit sometimes. Yeah. And, um, I think there's someone we follow on Instagram. I can't remember who, but they always say, you know, having an apple, no matter if it's organic or not, is better than a bag of Doritos all day. So, yeah. you know, at the, at the end of the day, just the fact that it's a whole food item is better than anything processed. <laughs> so a hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I guess, you know, for my story, you know, I, I went to my normal doctor and got blood work done and I was told that I was fine. Right. And there was no issues, even though I wasn't having a period and couldn't get pregnant. Right. And then meeting with you and Dr. Ginsburg, like you did a full blood panel and talked about nutrition and stuff. Why is there that discrepancy in the medical industry as far as, you know, what's traditionally taught to doctors versus the functional medicine approach that you and Dr. Ginsburg have? I think really the medical model now is they are, their goal is just to keep you alive, not necessarily thrive. So they're kind of the way it's taught is like, if you don't have a major disease. So if you go to the endocrinologist and you're like, I'm not having periods, whatever, and they test your hormones, even if your hormones are low or kind of out of range, they really don't care. I wouldn't say care. They don't get worried or bothered by that unless you're showing that like your adrenals have stopped functioning and you can't get out of bed. You know, like you've got Cushing's disease or you've got adrenal failure or You have some kind of major disease that like you've got cancer, something like that. Like that's really more where the medical model is going, where 
they're looking like, are you about to have a heart attack? Um, that's, it's not, oh, I don't feel well. And it's not because I have a disease. It's just because my cells are not functioning ideally the way they're supposed to function. The medical model really was not designed for that. Like you go into your gynecologist, you do a pap to make sure you don't have cervical cancer. It's not, oh, let's look at the ideal health situation. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the biggest is that insurance for a doctor to keep the lights on, insurance allows only a certain amount of money per visit. That generally kind of relates to the doctor spending about seven or eight minutes with you. Otherwise, they can't see enough people to pay all their people. And so it, it, it's just kind of like we're caught in this endless cycle of the doctor can only do what he can do to kind of keep his staff going. And so now it's turned into, I have enough time to diagnose you with the disease and give you a pill. That's what I can do for you in eight minutes. Yeah. So that's where functional medicine comes in. And it is, you know, it's a lot more, we spend a lot more time with you because in order to really understand what went wrong on the cellular level, we have to get a good background. We have to know what you're eating and what you're nourishing yourself with. And then our goal is what is the root cause of why you feel bad? Because obviously a woman is supposed to have a period. A sign that everything's going right is that you have a cycle every 28 days. If that is missing, it's not necessarily a sign that you have cancer or you have a major disease. It's a sign of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And to get to the root of dysfunction, you have to spend a lot of time with someone and you have to change their whole outlook, their whole lifestyle habits. Mm-hmm. And again, that takes a lot of time. So you'll find that like a lot of these functional medicine practitioners don't take insurance because then insurance dictates, well, you can only spend this much time with a patient or otherwise you don't get paid for the visit. And I know we don't like to think about money in regards to our health, but I mean, somebody has to pay their staff yeah. <laughs> on and things like that. So I think that's where, you know, if you get hit by a car and something falls off, you need that medical professional to sew that thing back on. Right, right. Or you need them to do surgery on you because, you know, you've got internal organ damage or whatever. Those are all things that obviously require a lot of training and are important. But if you have just some, you know, my stomach hurts all the time, I feel depressed all the time, all that, that's just not where the the conventional model is geared towards. And so, you know, I, I feel like these doctors are under a lot of pressure to try to help people, but they just don't have the tools or the time to really do that. Because think about the time that we've spent, Caitlin, talking about your diet and what changes to make. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's been a journey. And, you know, it just, there's not something we could do in 15 minutes. And I'm like, okay, just go gluten-free. Goodbye. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. If that was the case, then I definitely wouldn't have done it. Like I would have given up and like, yeah. Cause I wouldn't have any, any support. Cause you not only like talk me through like what, how to, how to restructure my eating habits, but also like provided with me with recipes and shopping lists and all the other stuff to make it easier to understand and whatnot. And yeah, you definitely can't talk all about that in 15 minutes. Oh no. Mm-mm. No. And that's generally the patient I'll get who said, I went to the doctor. They said I have high cholesterol and I have high blood pressure. And he just told me to lose weight yeah. and start exercising. Uh, and I'm like, okay, did you not know you need to do that before? Yeah. Like, yes, I did. Right. <laughs> you know? right. So I, I think that's the issue is like, people are really, you know, just kind of frustrated with the way things are. But, you know, we also get frustration because then 
when they come in and we're like, well, we, we need to do this test to kind of look at the root cause. We want to look at your gut and your stool. Those things are expensive because insurance, again, will not cover them because we're not looking, do you have colon cancer? Right. We're looking to see like, is are the gut bugs in line in your body and all of that? And so insurance won't pay for that. So it's, mm-hmm. it becomes, it's this hard kind of push and pull yeah. type thing. Yeah. I know. I feel like it's, there's so much about the healthcare system that insurance is dictating right now to some de- to a mm-hmm. lot of degree. I wouldn't say to some degree, to a big degree, you know, because yeah, just even things like, um, you know, I've seen chiropractic care and acupuncturists and stuff off and on and like physical therapy for pelvic floor and TMJ and all this. And yeah, insurance covers it to a degree, but you have to meet your deductible and all this. So you end up paying yep. a lot out of pocket anyway. It's like, why can't we just have, like, I found a great chiropractor and she just had cash price for everybody. And she was like, okay, $45 for every visit. Here you go. And it's like, if you made it that easy to attain for people to come and do that, like think how much healthier the world would be. Cause they got, you know, preventative care in a good way, like chiropractic or acupuncture or, um, or how much less injured people would be if they went and had physical therapy. So they knew like, how to realign their body in the proper way and stuff. But yeah, just some, it almost becomes like a headache. Like I almost didn't go to physical therapy for pelvic floor because the insurance was just such a headache. And I was like, I need this. Mm-hmm. I need this. I'm having issues. Why is this, why is this so complicated? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I think that's like the thing that we both learned in our different health journeys too, is like the importance of advocating for yourself. And mm-hmm. like, if you, if you really want, again, going back to what you talked about, finding your why, like, like I was not, okay with the information that my other doctor was giving me. I wanted more information. And so I like had to push back and I had to do my research and that can be really, really intimidating and hard and Mm -hmm. scary. And like, I think like early, like I, yeah. And obviously for, for me with infertility, like there's so much emotion wrapped up in it too. So it's just like, you're having to push through like all those emotions and the fear and just like desperation to a certain degree of like wanting to have a family um, and like you, you feel like you're going to experts and they should be able to give you good answers. And you're just like, Wait, what do you mean? Like that's that I'm right. fine, you know? So I think just some encouragement is just you to advocate for yourself, um, and find people like, I, I kind of always joke that I like have my board of directors of like my nutritionist and Dr. Ginsburg and a counselor and my best friend and my mm-hmm. husband, like mm-hmm. I ha- yeah, you have to surround yourself with people who that are going to, are going to cheer you on and provide you, um, quality information from all the angles. Cause it's not just going to be one person who's going to solve your problem. It's not going to just, and you just can't rely on, you know, someone else to just like do it for you. You have to do it yourself and take that step. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think that's just really important in general. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we've talked a lot about like, obviously your passion of nutrition and stuff. So if, what is some piece of advice or some words of encouragement? I know we kind of, we just talked about like steps someone could take, but if someone, you you know, you meet someone that's struggling or has been on a journey already and is like, okay, now what's my next step? How can I get healthier? What's some advice or words of encouragement you would give them? Well, I do think it helps to see a professional, you know, someone like me or another kind of functional medicine type practitioner Because there's so much noise out there of what, you know, so many people that come to me are like, I don't know, I'm ready to change my diet, but should I do keto? Should I do vegan? Should I do um, paleo diet? You know, like, what's the right thing for me? I'm really confused. And I don't know, should I take supplements? Are they worth anything? Whatever. So I think it's good. Like you talked about having your arsenal of people, Um, get someone that you can talk to that you feel comfortable with, kind of just 
getting the straight story. And, and sometimes it does take, I'm going to, I really trust this person. I'm just going to let them guide me and I'm going to block out all the rest of the noise of the people telling me that you should do this or that or whatever. So um, I do think it's important, even for me, like, you know, I, in my own health journey, I like to seek outside counsel. I have a group of practitioners that um, we have a group text message and we're always just kind of saying, I have a patient struggling with this. What are your guys' opinion on that? So it takes a village sometimes to really heal. And if you feel like you're working with someone and you don't have a good vibe with them, um, don't be afraid to be like, hey, you know, this is just not working out. Because I've had people where we just felt gel chemistry wise, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, and that's okay. Like, it just means that we're just not the right fit for each other. And there's plenty of other good practitioners out there that can help. So th- that's really what I would do is, is don't be afraid to get a second or third or fourth opinion. Um, now don't switch around because you're waiting for someone to say, Oh, you just, if you just took this magic pill, <laughs> right. Everything would be fine. You know, don't just mess around because they're not telling you what you want to hear, even though in your gut, you know, okay, I do need to make this change or whatever. Um, because sometimes it is hard, but you you may need to have several starts and stops. And I would also say, we're not going to solve all your health problems in one month. I think people Mm. are very, oh, now I'm at the functional medicine model. I just need to have one visit and everything's going to be fine. And I'm like, no, sometimes we don't know what's going on and we have to keep trying different things. And so it does require patience. If you've been sick or not feeling good for six years, you're not going to get better probably even in six months. Like, you know, it's going to take a while for you to get that whole vitality back. And so we're used to instant gratification and it's getting worse Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as far as we are very, very impatient. So, you know, that's really just, it takes some grace on yourself, but patience, you need to have patience. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. I agree with all of that. So we kind of like to, um, ask all of our guests, what is something gutsy that you have done? Oh, this is such a hard question. I feel like, (laughs) so I would say one of the big things I, um, and the job that I have now, Dr. Ginsburg was my gynecologist and she delivered my babies. And when I was in grad school, I, I was just in a visit and I was like, Hey, do you need an intern? (laughs) I need an internship, but I just don't know where I can go. And I really like you know, I know that you're really into health and stuff like that, because we'd always talk about exercise. Do you have anything available, which was really hard for me, because I am not, I was not, especially this was when I was early 30s, I had never been a bold person to speak up for myself. I always struggled with that. I hated calling people on the phone, asking for directions, whatever. Um, So I just was like bold and asked her if she needed an intern or had thought about an intern. And she was like, no, I don't have any space or whatever. But because I asked her that, she ended up going to a conference where at the conference they said, you need a nutritionist on staff. And she immediately (laughs) thought of me and was like. That's awesome. So that was one of those things where it just kind of turned out the way it did. I didn't ever apply. There was no job. Yeah. (laughs) It was just something that she created. And I just happened to be in the right place and asked the right question at the right time. That's That's awesome. awesome. And now you guys have been working together for how long? It's been 13 years. Yeah, that's awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's so cool. And it's grown and changed a lot. She went from like a traditional OB-GYN and this like multi-focus practice to her own practice to now being functional medicine, 
getting rid of the OBGYN completely. And then now we're completely virtual, which is really, really nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet. Just time-wise and like for her, you know, she's in her mid to late 50s and she's been up all night delivering babies for 30 years. And so it's just a nice change for her to be not having to like rush somewhere. Yeah. Take her time and breathe. Yeah. And <laughs> focus on the patient too and really be able oh, and to Yeah. And that's what, that was her main thing was like, I feel like I can offer better patient care because I don't have all these other things hanging over my head. Yeah. Um, that gets in the way of that. So yeah. Oh, I love that. And it's the simplest thing of just like putting yourself out there and asking that one question, look what's happened. Yeah. It changed the course of my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For real. Love that. <laughs> well, and just so everyone knows, we are going to have Dr. Ginsburg on the podcast as well. Um, and that will be coming soon. So um, stay tuned for that because she'll have lots of really great information to share. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, she's a hoot. Sure. <laughs> um, and so I guess as we're just wrapping things up, we would just love to know, um, we asked all of our guests, what is something that has been filling your bucket recently? Um, well, I have a senior in high school right now and then one that's a sophomore and they're both super involved with sports at school. So it's just been really fun to be able to go and watch them play in their element. And just like we recently had senior night for my son, we got to walk on the field with him and like, he was just beaming and he's my kid on the spectrum and he's playing varsity football right now. So that's just been, it's been really cool. So. Oh, that's so amazing. And like, it just like from what you told us earlier, as far as where he was when you started your journey and now you just like, you know, here he is playing varsity football and in, in yeah. high school. And so that's just such an incredible transformation. Um, and like yes, now sure. the, and through that transformation, like the knowledge you now have and are helping transform other people's lives. So that's, yeah, it was definitely, yeah, everything happens for a reason. So it's, yes. Yeah, that's it was incredible. really hard to think of that at the time because oh, I was, sure, yeah. I mean, anyone can tell you having an, a kid on the spectrum is it's a journey for sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, well, thank you so much for um, joining us today. We are so excited to take a deeper dive into nutrition with you. We are just so thankful that you joined us and um, got to share your knowledge with everybody. Yeah, I had a blast. So, thanks for letting me come on and talk. Yeah, of yeah. course. So, um, Sheila, can you share with the listeners where they can find you and Dr. Ginsburg? We'll link all that in the show notes, but where can they find you right now? Yeah. So we are on Instagram, Diane Ginsburg MD, um, Facebook, same thing, Diane Ginsburg MD. We have a YouTube channel where we put out new videos or we try to every Thursday or Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just at Diane Ginsburg MD as well. Um, that is, and then on our, we're in the process of redoing our website, but you can go on there right now and we have a bunch of freebie giveaways. So we have like smoothie recipes. We have a guide to hormone balance. We have a hormone meal plan, a five day hormone balancing meal plan. Those are all free. And you just go on there and sign up for our newsletter. And I send out newsletters like once every couple of weeks or something like that. So, um, that's where you can find us. That's awesome. And then also as you mentioned that you guys are hundred percent virtual. So for anyone listening, like, do you have to be in the state of Texas to see you or can they meet with you wherever they live? Yes, we can see people even in different countries. Um, you know, we just have to get on the same time zone when we, when we meet, but we meet everyone. We do all our visits via zoom or phone. If someone prefers and doesn't like technology, we'll do a phone visit, but, um, we'd like to be able to see you because we feel like that is a little bit more personal. Um, so yeah, we can see you wherever, um, wherever you are, wherever you are in your journey. We see men as well. A lot of people think we only see 
We don't. We see a lot of men. Um, and we see teenagers. We don't do as much kids. That's not really our area of focus. But, you know, 14, 13, 14 and up, we do a lot of work with those kids as well. Awesome. Okay. Yep. And we'll link all that in the show notes so you guys can find them and um, connect with them if you want to. Um, so again, thank you so much, Sheila, for your time today. Um, like I said before, I've learned so much from you and it's been great to share that with my little circle of friends. So I'm so thankful we had the time today to share it with our listeners on the podcast. Um, so thank you so yeah. much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Gutsy Truth. We are so thankful to have you here with us, and we hope you enjoyed today's story. Until next time, we encourage you to follow along with us on Instagram at The Gutsy Truth. Or you can learn more on our website, thegutsytruth.com. And we would really appreciate if you left a review on today's episode on your podcast streaming platform of choice. Um, These reviews not only help our podcast be more well known to the world, but you can share this today's episode to a friend or family member or coworker who you think might need to hear um, an inspiring story for their journey. And until next time, that's the gutsy truth.